Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo. I'm joined, of course, as always, by my man, Harley Schultz. Harley, I've got to say, we've had some chilly weather that's finally hit over here in the Mid-Atlantic region, so it kind of really feels like football season now. But today, for some reason, it got up to a balmy 73, and it's going to go back down to a high of only 39 on Wednesday with a low of 22. I mean, how's the weather where you are? Uh, I, I would I would die for that right now. Tomorrow we're supposed to have a high of 21, and our overnight low tonight is going to be six degrees. Six. So what you're saying is the difference with where you are to where I am is just massively crazy off the charts. Kind of like this football season's been. Well, yeah, but I will say this: being here in Minnesota, I think all of the Minnesota fans are riding such a high from this past weekend with the victory both by our Vikings over the Dallas Cowboys, but more importantly, perhaps for Minnesota football, the Gophers' victory over Penn State, which catapulted them into the top 10 for the first time, basically, since I've been alive. Gotcha. I don't follow college sports all that much, but I did see that that was a pretty big win for them at home. Um, Penn State evidently doesn't do well on the road, from what I gather, um, against ranked teams. But, hey, that's a good win for those guys. And yeah, nothing like making the chill feel a little less chilly than having a win that, you know, puts you in a good position. And yeah, the Vikings, they tried to give that game away, though. And, and it was like a hot potato, so maybe that's why it was so cold that there was a hot potato that each coach was saying, here, you take it, no, you take it, no, you take it, no, you take <coughs> it. Because Jason Garrett sure didn't want to take it, is what it seemed like. Well, so I, I understand the strategy of trying to run the ball against against the Vikings in the middle with no Linval Joseph. I think that's a very smart concept and design. And somehow or another, the Vikings were able to piecemeal together a bunch of scrubs to keep Mr. Zeke in check in the middle. Now, what I don't understand is why in a game where Minnesota is being highly successful throwing the ball to their back, who is a decent pass catcher out of the backfield, that... Garrett didn't attempt – I mean, I think he threw three passes to Zeke all game. And one of those three passes was the atrocious attempt on the very last play that ended up turning the ball over and ultimately sealing the deal for Minnesota. Garrett's, <clears throat> Garrett's not going to be fired midseason based on Jerry's um, statements earlier this year, but he will be fired if they don't win the Super Bowl or do something in the playoffs this year. That I feel comfortable saying. I, I think his, his job has been saved multiple times this year by the play of Dak Prescott, if nothing else. Did it not feel like Dak threw for like almost a thousand yards last night? Like I was oh, shocked. God. I was shocked that he threw for less than 400, honestly. I know it was just a smidge less, but I was shocked because it really felt like it was a 500, 600 yard passing day. Well, and I, I actually came into the game and again, I thought that he would have a pretty good game because uh, the Vikings without, were without their best cornerback this season, Trey Waynes, who was a oddball scratch this week. Uh, I, I, what they were saying is it was due to some sort of family issue during the week where I don't know if that meant he missed some key practices or what, but 
they, they benched him for the week. And I mean, they did get back Holton Hill last week, uh, undrafted kid who played really well last year. Uh, they do have a uh, first round pick, Mike Hughes, who's back from his injury now. He played, he actually played pretty good. Although I know Dallas did pick on him, at least in the first quarter. But it, when you looked at those passes that Dak was throwing, he wasn't making passes to, I mean, with the exception of maybe Randall Cobb, to wide open receivers. He was making like laser passes yeah. into the corner of the sideline. And, and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup were just making absolutely absurdist catches out there. You know what? I know we've had deflate gate. We might have magnet gate because you, it, the way that those guys were towing the line along the, the sidelines, you would think that they had magnets in the tips of their shoes. Seriously. I mean, it, it was, re- I mean, it was remarkable. And I mean, all things considered, I mean, you can talk so much about that, but you, you also have to look at the amazing catch that yes. Kyle Rudolph yes. made in the end zone. I, I did not, I thought there was no way that was actually a <coughs> touchdown because whenever there's some crazy catches, the first thing I do is I pull out the phone and I queue up, get ready to do some, you know, photos and stuff so I can tweet them out. And I went, oh my God, that wasn't even actually close. That was just an easy touchdown. Like, I didn't even tweet the, yeah, I did tweet the pictures. But yeah, it wasn't even like it was like, are we sure? Yeah, I think it was. I was just like, I couldn't believe it happened, honestly. And I think one of the announcers called it a shot put pass. And that's absolutely what it was. Well, and we talk about weird catches, but uh, uh, there's not a lot of footage out there unless people want to go out to YouTube. But uh, one of the things I do here during football season is I actually work for the TV crew that produces high school football games for Coon Rapids High School out of uh, just, it's a suburb of, uh, northwest suburb of Minneapolis. And their team has not been to the state tournament in about 25 years. Uh, This past weekend, they won in their state quarterfinal game, which means they're going to go to play a game at U.S. Bank Stadium next week in the state semifinals against uh, another uh, Northwest suburban team called the Chaska Hawks. Now, the interesting thing about this game, again, if people want to go to YouTube and search for it, search for CTN Sports on YouTube and then look for Coon Rapids versus Spring Lake Park High School. About midway through the game, the Coon Rapids uh, running back was handed the ball, a kid by the name of Ryan Garlic, he's a senior, was handed the ball. He fumbled the ball behind his back, somehow managed to control the ball behind his back, pulled it back to the front. It looked like the butt fumble, but he held on to it and managed to rumble forward for 15 yards, carrying the ball on his back for the first five or six of those yards. I heard that Mr. Garlic stinks. (laughs) Exactly. So, again, if, if you want to see a really hilarious play, YouTube, CTN Sports, uh, Coon Rapids versus Spring Lake Park uh, playoffs uh, from this past Saturday. It was uh, a great game for the for the Coon Rapids Cardinals. Again, congratulations to them making their first state uh, playoffs in over a quarter century. Awesome. Hey, let's give our listeners a little look behind the curtain because that's one of the things I love when you watch stuff on TV and they show like the behind-the-scenes stuff and the stuff that you just take for granted. You don't know how it happens or what they do. So as an example, I don't know who has Apple Plus or watches Apple Plus, the morning show, I think it's called, with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. While it's not a true look behind the scenes, they've built into the show a look behind the scenes, if you, if you may. So you kind of see how those shows are put together. And I find that stuff interesting. So 
Harley has no idea that I'm getting ready to ask him this question. It wasn't something we discussed. It's something I just thought about while we were sitting here. What do you think, Harley, is one of the hardest things we have to do in putting this show together? I would think that it would come down to getting everything ready to go live. So I'll ask you to expand on that a little bit. So in other words, uh, we, we have all of our notes, we have all of our talking points, and yep. we, we pretty much know what we're, we want to talk about, but coming up with a plan of what to talk about. Yes, we're on the same page. It's exactly what I was thinking about. I think that people don't realize every week we try to have topics to talk about. That's probably the hardest thing is coming up with those topics. And, and it's like we don't, always, we don't have, you know, eight-hour meetings and we sit there and discuss with other people for, you know, creative ideas. It's we get on the phone or we get on the, on the line together and we start spitballing. Okay, where are we? What are we going to talk about? What do we, what do we think is pertinent? Do we want to talk trades? Do we want to talk injuries? Do we want to do a little bit of this? Do we want to do a little bit of that? Are we going to work towards the future, towards the playoffs? It really is the most difficult part of it. It's the truth. And we did that tonight. And we have, what, three, six, seven more weeks that we have to come up with content for. And we reverse engineered it. We start with week 17. And all of a sudden we went, oh, we only got to figure out topics for two weeks. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Um, the heart is coming to an end soon. Um, but this week, what we're going to do is we are going to have our two bits, of course, one being DFS, like always. And for those that may be new, Harley and I do not discuss our DFS thoughts and picks, etc. before we get to that point. Whatever we hear is the first time we've heard it. And the other part we're going to talk about tonight is, with it being Veterans Day, a big thank you to all veterans <coughs> serving and in the past. Um, thank you very much for your service to our country. But we're going to talk about cheap veterans and some handcuffs, um, handcuffing, getting ready for the playoffs and finishing out your fantasy season. But before we do any of that, I've got to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. The NFL is apparently investigating Detroit for a possible misuse of the injury list based on when they knew that Matthew Stafford would be out for this week's game with his back fracture. My obvious question for the Detroit brass is, at what point did you really think there was any chance that Matthew Stafford would play this week with a fractured back? I mean, come on! It's a fractured back. People should be asking if Stafford will ever walk again, not if he's going to play football against the Chicago Bears on Sunday. <laughs> the Dolphins have declared that Ryan Fitzpatrick will remain their starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. Considering their recent success and climb up the draft slot chart order, I hope for their sake that the foreseeable future also includes 2020. <laughs> In other quarterback news, Bill Callahan named Dwayne Haskins the Redskins starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Or as I like to call it, the death knoll to all of my Terry McLaurin redraft shares. <laughs> Saquon Barkley carried the ball 13 times for one yard against the New York Jets. This ranked him 79th for the week in rushing yards, 
behind 17 quarterbacks, seven wide receivers, and two tight ends. After the game, we asked him about his struggles, to which he replied, Hey, give me a break. I was only one yard behind David Johnson. <laughs> and finally, O.J. Howard scored last week versus Arizona. Following this performance, it is safe for us to predict that he finishes with two targets, one catch, and only eight yards next week. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. You're going to confuse people next week, this week. we're It's Monday night. We're watching the Niners and the Seahawks. But yes, I'm with you. OJ paid off. It was shocking, but it wasn't. But it shouldn't have been, but it was. And yes, he'll go back to one for eight now. It was Arizona. That's all we have to remind our listeners. Yes. And, and by the Breathe way... Breathe in deep. It was Arizona. Saquon's <laughs> um, average per carry was less than one inch per carry. Oh, jeez. Point nine two inches per carry. I'm pretty sure one of us could have fallen forward and gained more than one yard. Hey, um, the Giants spent a first round, I think, what, number two overall pick on him? Wow. Seven, <laughs> I believe that they have seven wins since they've drafted him. That's it, it, I, I will say this. They did have a plan. They didn't like the quarterbacks last season. Uh, how's that working out mm. for them? Uh, it's actually working out okay for them because uh, they targeted the quarterback that they wanted, and that was Daniel Jones. And he's actually shown out fairly well in, in matchups where he was supposed to, like this past week. But again, the, the book on him is still fairly short, too, so we'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he, he's still a rookie, so he's going to make some mistakes, but... Uh, Again, the, the time was now to make the change, and they went out and got Saquon. I, I think the key for them is, okay, well, they've got Saquon, they've got Daniel Jones. Now they just have to start addressing that horrible, horrible offensive line in front of them. Yeah, and defense. But, hey, you know, they can always use draft picks for that. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. They traded a third-round pick for Leonard Williams, who probably won't still be there, and if he does, he'll cost them too dang on much money. That's just a horribly run franchise right now. But anyway... <laughs> Um, you know what we can keep you from doing? We can keep you from running your fantasy franchise like the Giants. How's that sound? I think that's a good strategy. But, again, you want to run differently than the Giants. You want to run differently than uh, Miami. You want to run differently than Washington, obviously, because you don't want to end up in one of those situations. No, not at all. All right, so we're going to talk about – let's see. Do you want to talk about handcuffs and then we'll work the cheap veterans in that discussion possibly? Well, so, yeah, of course, we're talking about handcuffs, and we're not talking about the fuzzy pink kind. We're, we're talking about handcuffs that will give you a chance to win come fantasy playoff time. Okay, so let's, let's do this first. Let's get one section of this tossed out the window right now. Do you handcuff a quarterback? I will answer that for us. How's that? The answer is no in single start leagues. The answer is yes in super flex and two quarterback leagues. I would rather have the handcuff for my quarterback than a third quarterback so that at least I know I have the position locked up if that person goes down. Well, I think there's certain teams in particular that I think you can look at that too. I mean, you're not going to handcuff the backup quarterback to Denver. Yes. What you might consider doing is handcuffing the backup quarterback in KC or the backup quarterback 
in Baltimore. Jacksonville or Baltimore or even the Giants who have Eli Manning, a proven veteran on their backup situation. Yeah. So again, use common sense. But you can hand you can handcuff your quarterback into quarterback leagues. But again, if you're in a single quarterback league, there's going to be at least six quarterbacks that are not owned in that league that are starting that week. So you'll you'll be able to find someone more likely there'll be like between 12 and 14 quarterbacks sitting on the waiver wire that you can pick up, uh, one of whom is bound to do good. I, in, in my longest uh, tenured redraft league, I needed a quarterback to replace Tom Brady this week on his bye. Uh, two guys that were out there, one was Garoppolo. He went one pick before me in the waiver wire. I was still able to land Daniel Jones, and well, he had a pretty good day, didn't he? Yeah, especially with the the buys as deep as they cut right now, so people aren't going to roster two quarterbacks usually. Exactly. So, all right. So, before we get into the meat, because when people when you talk handcuffing and fantasy football, I think people are immediately drawn to and think running back, and they should be. So, before we get to running back, let's talk about wide receiver. Are there any wide receivers that you would actually possibly consider handcuffing? You know, I, I think that coming into the season, there are a couple teams I considered in in that strategy, but right now, uh, the only the only team that truly has put out enough of an well, I, no, I'll tell you, there's two teams that have put out enough offensive capability to really support that role. And I would say one is obviously the Kansas State Chiefs, where yeah. if you have Tyree Kill, you really should have McCole Hardman because he definitely fills that role. Uh, when and or if Hill goes down. But I also just recently thought of a team that you need to have a handcuff for is actually Houston Texans, where Will Fuller, when he's on the field, is the second coming of God. And when Will Fuller isn't on the field, Kenny Stills actually becomes a very, very valuable second receiver option there. I think you probably nailed the only two spots and two players that I would look at possibly handcuffing. Yeah, I mean, you're not handcuffing Albert Wilson to Devontae Parker, and you're not handcuffing, uh, trying to think of a third receiver. For... <laughs> you're not handcuffing anybody for OBJ. You're not handcuffing anybody for Julio, um, for the guys in Minnesota. You're just, you're not doing it. Uh, but I, exactly. so, so I agree with you. Um, at tight end, I think we can list a couple of people that you could handcuff that are valid handcuffs. I think the first and foremost is probably Zach Ertz. Um, you know, if something happened to Travis Kelsey in Kansas City, whoever they wind up running out there would have some value. But I, I don't think they'd be first on the pecking order, whereas if Ertz goes down, Goddard steps in, and he's at least going to be in that top one to two, three pecking order at times. So he'd have really good value if Ertz went down. He's somebody I've actually rostered in a league all year long already anyway. Um, who else do you think you would look at handcuffing at the tight end position? Well, I, I think you can look at a guy like Hayden Hurst or Nick Boyle with Baltimore. Uh, they've involved all their tight ends all season long. <coughs> I think you can look at... What about... Um, what Sorry. about... You know what? We're watching him tonight. I don't think he's done much yet, but George Kittle is out. What about Ross Dally? Dwelly, is he somebody... Dally, listen to me, Dwelly. Ross Dwelly, <laughs> is he somebody that you're going to look to maybe use as a handcuff? Well, I Dwelly don't know about that, but... Uh, you know, it, I actually I was presented with the opportunity to play Dwelly this week in DFS in a primetime slate. And, I mean, you're in a situation where this offense certainly is capable of 
producing points. And the offensive game script does involve a lot of passes thrown to the tight end position. I think that employs that a guy like Dwelly or uh, perhaps veteran Garrett Selleck is a worthwhile player to have on your roster if you have George Kittle, a, a tight end that has had injury problems earlier this season and who has injury problems currently as well. Uh, I think you could look at a team like, well, going into this week, I, I played Rhett Ellison in place of Evan Ingram. I don't think he's a true handcuff, and now Ellison's actually in the concussion protocol. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you look at Houston again. Uh, we have Darren Fells, who's emerged as the starter. I know Jordan Aikens looked pretty good at the start of the season. Uh, here in Seattle, uh, Will Disley started the season very good. And over the last couple of weeks since Disley's injury, Jacob Hollister has done very well. But there isn't a ton of true players that are handcuff handcuffs that you're going to hold on to at tight end. No, but there's those couple. Um, did you mention, did I miss it? Did you mention Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron? Or... Oh, how can I mention that? I mean, because you know why I didn't mention that? Because I don't consider either of them a handcuff. They're like option 1A and 1B there. True. What about Cameron Bray and O.J. Howard? Well, who's the starter there? <laughs> True. Um, yeah, that's the, the, those are situations where I don't feel like that's a handcuff. That's, it's, it's those guys that you know that they're going to step in and they're going to maybe hopefully give you 75% of what you get from the starter. And those are guys that already have value in the positions up and down in Tampa Bay. And the other one, you're trying to guess who's going to have the better week as it is. So, yeah, that's what I would look at. Well, okay, I did think of one other that I'd consider. Okay. And, again, this is based on their performances this year so far. Uh, I, I would consider, if you own Darren Waller, handcuffing him with Foster Moreau. Okay. Oh, I've got one more for quarterback. If you're a Jared Goff owner, do you handcuff him with Blake Bortles? Who's the better quarterback there? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did think of one. I did think of one other tight end that I would actually seriously consider handcuffing based on the okay. current tight ends' age and their roles in the offense. And that's Jason Witten with Blake Jarwin. Okay. Uh, given the opportunities this year that Jarwin has had, he's looked very, very good. Uh, and again, Dallas certainly likes to uh, throw the ball to their tight ends a lot. Again, Witten is getting old. He took a year off. Who knows how? his body will hold up once we get to weeks 14, 15, and 16 this year. That's true. Um, okay, ready to run over to running back? I think that's obviously the biggest position for handcuffs, so yes. So I'll give you my three must-have handcuffs for running backs. Christian McCaffrey's handcuff is not one of them because I don't think that you get 40% of the production from those guys if McCaffrey goes out. But on um, Alexander Madison as well as Tony Pollard and Ryquel Armstead. I look at all three of those positions as, first of all, Madison is not just a handcuff, he's also an anchor. And I say that because I have had him rostered on a team all season long because I just I can't drop him. I don't own Cook, but I know I can't drop him because as soon as I do, if Cook goes down, that's the league-winning type of running back that you get, right? So... You know that you're sacrificing that spot if you have him. In, but you know what? With the deep buys, you may find that he was dropped in your league. And I think that he's somebody, again, that you have to look at with 
you know, running back's propensity to get hurt. I'm not saying Cook's propensity. I'm saying running back's propensity. We already know Pollard can be effective in Zeke's absence. So he's probably gotten dropped once Zeke got back and got going. And if he's available because of buys, go get him. Armstead, I actually made a proactive move while they were on a buy, and I picked him up this week, knowing that I would just have to you know, forego that roster spot. But what if he comes back this week? You're waiting to do it, right? And Fournette goes out first quarter with a tweaked knee. Somebody's going to spend a lot of money to get him, and you won't probably. Well, I think when you look at this game tonight we're watching, I think you've got two potential handcuffs that are important. Uh, Matt Breda, uh, as, as well as uh, Rashad Penny. Uh, Penny could become the starter at any given point here for Seattle based on Chris Carson's fumble problems. True. And when you look at the case of Matt Breda, uh, you're, you're talking about a guy who has had a lot of injuries himself. But Tevin Coleman has also had a share of injuries over his career, so... Again, if Tevin Coleman were to go out, Matt Breda suddenly becomes a key, and I mean key, because right now he's a very, very skilled running back. And, and kind of in that same role, looking a little bit south, uh, a lot of teams had Austin Eckler playing for them at the start of the year, and over the last couple of weeks he's done absolutely nothing. Some of those teams may have dropped Austin Eckler because he hasn't been doing much. Austin Eckler is still a must-have handcuff. Yep whether you have Melvin Gordon or not, because when and or if Melvin Gordon goes down with an injury, we've already seen what Eckler can do. Yep. That is very true. Um, Here's some other situations, and I'll ask you if you think if there's a particular back that's worth cuffing to this person. Um, Aaron Jones and and Jamal Williams, we already know that, but Williams is also like Breida where they're probably both rostered and they have flex appeal and stuff like that, but their value goes skyrocketing high. If the starter goes down, what about Derrick Henry? <laughs> well, going into last year, it was kind of thunder and lightning there with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. Uh, Lewis has, has barely seen the field the last three weeks. And Derrick Henry has shown that he's capable of catching the ball out of the backfield, which was the only real role that Deion Lewis had there. Yep. So if Henry were to get hurt, then, yeah, I, I suppose you could have Deion Lewis on your roster, but you wouldn't feel comfortable ever starting him, and you certainly wouldn't expect him to produce Derrick Henry-like numbers. So I asked that question knowing that I had a little bit of um, insight to add to this. I had rostered Deion Lewis from the draft as my running back four, um, with my main running backs being Marlon Mack and Devontae Freeman. I can't even remember who my third was, to be honest with you. Um, but I went heavy wide receiver early. And I dropped Deion Lewis this week for a guy to handcuff because Ido Smith got hurt, and I grabbed Brian Hill just in case because I didn't want to wait for it to happen. I wanted to be proactive, and I bet you it would have been much harder for me to get Brian Hill this week than it would have been than it was last week. Uh, Brian Hill is going to be the top waiver ad this week, I'm fairly certain. Yep. I, and I will be honest, if you listen to this and you play in a league with me, don't bother looking. I got him in every league that he was available last week. <laughs> well, it, it was interesting because that offense as a whole has kind of like sputtered back and forth all season. But they always seem to go. I mean, you think back to two, three years ago with Tevin Coleman there. 
they've always had a second back yep. to steal touches from their first back. And it, it was never a true running back by committee, but it was always like a 70-30 timeshare. Yes, and it was what was nice is that you know that you got a little bit of play, so it wasn't like he was a anchor, right? Yep. And if something happened, then you know that that split would possibly change, and then you've, you're you're safe and you're good to go. But yeah, if Brian Hill's available, if get him, but he's going to cost you more now than he is than he would have last week. Again, now if if Freeman does miss a lot of time, Brian Hill becomes the seventy percent back, and then maybe someone like Kadri Allison becomes the. 30% back who may have some value should something happen to Hill. Yep. Anyone else you want to talk about from a handcuff standpoint? I could see a I couple. I think that covers most of the guys in the running back position that you need to have. Well, I think there's one that kind of made his debut this weekend. He's probably not available. But with, again, the deep buys, there's a chance. Um, he was drafted in many leagues. What about Kareem Hunt? Well, they've already declared uh, that they're going to use him going forward in, in – Again, not a true running back by committee, but he's definitely going to have uh, a hunch share of, of work each week. So I also feel that they might use him a little bit more near the redstone, especially after Nick Chubb's struggles this past week. Yeah, I well, not just Nick Chubb. That's I think that's coaching also. I gave Freddie a new nickname. Freddie Tin Cup Kitchens. Oh. They had like I see seven- his short game is as bad as mine. They had like seven shots or eight shots at goal to, and goal to go from inside the two and eight yard line or five yard. Like it was just crazy. It was like one first and goal from the one, first and goal from the two, first and goal from the two, first and goal from the three, first and goal from the four. It was like just God, it was crazy. And I said first, first, first. It was first, second, third. Got a penalty for a second, third again. Fourth down, they went for it once and missed. It was just, it was nuts. Hey. They they, they they managed won. to pull it all together, though, right? They did. That they did. They cost my wife a few years of aging, but yes, they did. <laughs> well, after seeing some of those meme photos of uh, Baker Mayfield, I feel like he's aged quite a bit this year, too. That is true. Um, speaking of meme photos, and have you seen the meme video of Mr. Dak Prescott practicing his no-step-into-it throws? I needed hip surgery after watching that. Yes. Oh, I know. There's one out there, um, jump on it, from the was it Village People or something like that, and it's got Will Smith and, and Carlton from the Fresh Prince on there. It, is, it wins. <laughs> it wins the internet. Trust me. Go find it. Um, Mike Freeman retweeted it. I liked it, so it shouldn't be too hard to find. It's a winner. Trust me. Well, and I think someone put it to uh... – to Rick Astley already too. So oh, it's been it, I've seen it at least six, eight different types of of audio settings, but the jump on it one is the best. <laughs> no, it, it, is he double jointed? <laughs> I don't know what he is. I had to watch it twice, thinking it was being run sped up, and I was like, "What is he doing?" And then then I realized what it was. But you know, the internet never misses an opportunity. Well, every once in a while, you see some of those memes where it's like the guy is knocked down to the ground and uh, instead of doing a kip up, it looks like they've almost like stood back up without like bending their legs at all. No, I think you're talking (laughs) about Zay Jones and he levitates. Yes. But it's, but it's actually real. Zay does that. I don't know how that's not any magic. There is no fairies and sprites and, and demons and, and, and all that kind of stuff. 
It's Zay Jones. He's possessed. Well, I was going to say that's really all Zay Jones is known for now then. Though, yes, so. he needs to learn how to catch the ball. That'd be something. Um, all right, any more handcuffing you want to do or do you want to move into DFS? Well, I, I want to handcuff our fans with some money. There, hey, that sounds like handcuffing the bag to your wrist filled with money. I like it. You walk out like Pulp Fiction with uh, Samuel L. Jackson and his briefcase. At least we're doing DFS and not actual picks, right? Oh boy, <laughs> that was a rough week for us on the uh, on the uh, game picks, wasn't it? Yeah, I saw a tweet that said a one hundred dollars sixteen parlay to win, and I believe it was. Let's see if I can remember all the teams. Um, actually, let's just look at the let me look at the scoreboard. And I'll tell you what they were. Miami was one. Um, let's see. Miami was one. Um, Atlanta was one. There's two. Tennessee was one. That's three. Um, goodness, I can't find them now. Anyway, it was six of them, six teams, all that were, you know, big dogs. They won. It would have netted you $198,000. $100. Yeah. $100 parlay. But there's no way anybody would put those six teams together. Yeah, it, uh, I think I actually may have uh, suggested Miami possibly pulling out another victory this week, but uh, yeah, it's it's hard to envision some of the. I mean, a, a lot of survivor pools ended this week. Yeah. Yes, in New Orleans, um, Atlanta was six sacks. They've had seven all year. Nobody saw that coming. Well, and Breeze had only had twelve sacks all season coming in. Yeah, like that just. You just don't see something like that happening. And you know what? Why did we say we want to stay? At least why did I say I want to stay away from Breeze? He can have a good game and not do enough with his legs, and it kind of leaves you feeling flat. But yet I paid up for Michael Thomas. Breeze was like, eh, 287, no touchdowns, no interceptions, no rushing yards. Um, but Thomas was 13 for 152. So the quarterback doesn't always have to do great for the wide receiver to be a worthy play. So with that, what are we going to match on on our picks? And then let's jump in the quarterback. I'm going to have us matching on five this week. Wow. I wanted In my head, I'm going, I think we could hit six or seven. I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to shock him. But five makes it tough to do that, but I'm taking the over. Excellent. Well, again, I'm sure Vegas will be happy to see you take the over here. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to just start it back off. Last week, I had, let's see. Am I on the right page? Yeah, I am. Okay, because it looks a lot like last week's where I had Lamar Jackson and Drew Brees were my two options. I crossed out Brees and went with Jackson because of his legs. Um, this week I did the same exact thing. I had Lamar Jackson and Drew Brees, and I almost said oh, I'm going to go to Drew Brees because of a bounce-back week, but I'm not because of Lamar's legs. I also added Dak in that mix, but I'm going with Lamar Jackson. Well, I thought that would be our first match, and it isn't. Uh, I thought about Lamar Jackson, and certainly I like his matchup this week. But I decided to go with Drew Brees, and only because everybody is going to be shy on Brees after last week's debacle. But you know what? Tampa sucks. Yeah, they, they do. They've allowed 23, 20, 23 quarterback scores over the last seven games. That's more than three scores per game to the quarterback. And don't construe me saying I'm not taking Breeze. I'm going with Jackson as Breeze is a bad play. I absolutely think he's a fantastic play. I just think that there's more upside with Jackson's legs. 
I'm just I'm I'm hoping and begging that people think about the great matchup last week and the fact that Breeze really kind of crapped the bed. Yep. And they're all off of him, and then we can get great low ownership in the GPPs on him. I, I would agree with that. That's and I, I thought Dak was a great price too going to Detroit. But here's my fear with Dak. Um, Dak, you were too good last week. Jerry wants us to establish the run. We've got to, we got to get, yeah, I, <laughs> we lost that game. And if we would have ran the ball 20 times, we would have won. So we're going to establish Zeke. That's my biggest fear with that team and Dak this week. I, I completely agree. Okay. Now the, now the over is in jeopardy. Cause I thought for sure we were both going to be on L Jacks there. Who are you staying away from? I had a hard time figuring out who I wanted to stay away from. And I had two guys, one that I'm like, I can't really say stay away from him, even though the matchup's not the best. So I went down a lot cheaper than I normally would for a stay away. I got to stay away from Kyler Murray against the San Francisco defense on the road. Well, I didn't go quite that far. I I considered Deshaun Watson, but I, I think that's going to be a high-scoring game. So I, I was like, too. yeah. I'm that, not. that was who I wrote down and crossed off and didn't go to. <clears throat> the, guy, the guy I ultimately went with was Jameis Winston uh, in, in the same game against New Orleans. Uh even when he's good, he's not good. And, you know, New Orleans, they've allowed six scores to opposing quarterbacks over their last six games. That's one per game. And only one of those quarterbacks top 225 passing yards. So, I mean, really all you're hoping for here is a passing touchdown. 250 is probably his ceiling. Uh, it's just not good for that price point. Okay. Um, for what it's worth, Mike Evans and, and Godwin ranked second and third at wide receiver this year, points scored, and Jameis is sixth. So, again, that just kind of shows how you can have production at wide receiver and your quarterback may not live up to that production always from a fantasy standpoint. And, and one thing that might work in his favor is uh, Marshawn Lattimore did leave the game last week with a yep. injury. It sounds like it's minor, but keep an eye on that. Yep. We'll see if that affects his play uh, this week or if that uh, maybe leads to an opening for either Evans or for Godwin this week. Okay. I think we're going to match on our value play um, because I can't believe this guy's this cheap, and I think it's an overcorrection due to the game this past week um, on both ends. But I think Kyle Allen's a fantastic value play this week. I didn't go that far, unfortunately. Oh, come on. Okay, you see, <laughs> you see it, though. I believe that everybody's going to be off of him because, oh, my God, did you see what Atlanta did? Atlanta played their Super Bowl this past week. They have to come down off of that, and I think there's a little bit of a of a hangover of sorts after that game. they got to go on the road to Carolina. Allen didn't play god-awful. The, the refs didn't help Carolina much at all. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you can beat that Atlanta secondary. I mean, they're still not good, so... I really like what you get from Allen. You should have no problem getting three times value, especially at DraftKings. I, I agree. He probably should get you three times value. <clears throat> I didn't go quite that far, though. I I looked at the board and thought, yeah, I could go with Sam Darnold. I could go with Allen. I even considered Nick Foles in his comeback game. But yeah. despite the price being a little higher than most value plays. You went with Derek Carr, I, yeah. I went with Derek Carr against Cincinnati at home. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, I, there's 
there's really not a lot of real solid value plays this week at quarterback. And uh, nope. there's a lot of crappy plays at quarterback this week at the bottom. So Yeah, there's a lot of crappy plays in the middle and the bottom. Yes, I, I don't disagree with you at all on that part. You know who I'll call a great value play this week? At 6,400 and at 7,800, Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I think we kind of forget just how bad that Eagles secondary has been. That's And he's had two weeks to prepare, even though the Philadelphia Eagles had, have had two weeks to prepare also. Um, I wonder how, how often that's happened where out-of-conference, out-of-division teams have faced off after both coming off a two-week bye. Well, it should be interesting because this is the first time they've met since the Super Bowl. Yes, that is true, too. And they're much, much different-looking teams today, too. Um, all right, so we're 0 for 3 at quarterback. That over is in jeopardy in a big way. It's big It's big jeopardy, yeah. Um, running back, I'll start us off. Remember how I was talking about Dak, Dak and why you know I didn't really like him because let's get Zeke, feed him the ball. Zeke was somebody I considered, but I crossed him out. I finally decided I'm not going to second-guess him. I'm not avoiding Christian McCaffrey. This week he winds up in the lineup. I pay up for Christian McCaffrey. Yep, uh, he's my guy too. Uh, Atlanta just isn't that great. Uh, last year, in two contests, y- you won't believe these numbers. McCaffrey in two contests against Atlanta, 29 carries for 138 yards, which is not that high. But he also had 26 receptions for 179 yards in those two games. Yeah. I think this is a week that you do it. Um, and everybody will probably own him. He's probably Chalky McChalkster, but it is what it is. At 10-5, he really, he really wasn't chalk this week. And he's yeah. that same 10-5 price. People are afraid to put him in their lineup. And, and even last week, I mean, he had a great game. Yeah. He didn't hit three times. No, he did not. He was just shy. Um, so at my stay away, I have two guys. And I defaulted to the higher-priced guy. Um, but they both have pretty poor matchups. One's on the road and one's at home, so I should have said that the guy on the road is who I'm staying away from. That would have been Alvin Kamara, but I decided that I have to stay away from Dalvin Cook this week. Denver's coming off a bye. That, that defense is formidable, and I think that they play to make Kirk have to throw the ball. I think that I won't be shocked if Cook puts up 15, 18 points, but I don't think you're going to get a huge payoff. He's not going three times value. Well, I ultimately decided on Kamara myself. I think that they'll have to run the ball with Cook because Denver's secondary is still actually pretty good. They they it didn't is. deal Chris Harris at the at the trade deadline, which I thought was crazy. I think it's going to wind up being a low scoring game. So it probably will be. I mean, Kamara though uh, clearly is not a hundred percent healthy. Yep. Uh, Latavius Murray looked like the better runner between the two of them last week, and that's a scary thought. Uh, only two teams have scored a touchdown with their running backs against Tampa Bay all season. Uh, that includes through the air. Now, again, Kamara will probably catch six or seven passes. He'll still probably have about 100 total yards. But, uh, again, that's that's really that's ceiling top. numbers. Yep. That's bad ceiling numbers. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. He's a bad play, I think, just based on the health issue. You fold in that Buccaneers run defense and – that's why he was on my list. I had to cut it down from one to the other, and I decided to not pay up for the higher-priced guy. So, Did you have as much trouble finding a value play as I did? Oh, no, this was super simple for me, and based on who we talked about earlier, it might be a match here. 
Yeah, it is. But I, I thought he should have been priced down a little bit. Um, but no, Brian Hill's the only person I wrote down as my um, value play this week. I get this. Over their last three games, Carolina has allowed opposing running backs to post 544 total yards and 10 touchdowns. <laughs> touchdowns over the last three games it's absolutely ridiculous how bad they are i mean again this is a team that for decades we talked about as having the most elite linebacker core in the nfl oh my have the mighty have fallen (laughs) yep okay so two out of three there not bad two and a half in a sense actually but yes we'll say two i thought i thought we were gonna get all three there um okay wide receiver I know we're going to match here. I'm going back to the well from last week. I know it's a stack for you. Tell me why you picked Mike Thomas. Oh, it's got to be Mike Thomas this yeah. week. Yep. Okay. So, such a good matchup for him. Uh, when you look at that, Michael Thomas's worst game this season, five catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. That, that was his worst game. He's had at least eight catches in every other game. Tampa, meanwhile, well, they've given up 13 wide receiver scores over their last five games, so roughly just under three wide receiver scores per week. There's really no other active wide receiver in that passing offense for the Saints right now. Thomas is in for another huge game. If I can find it, I'll throw up a quick Michael Thomas stat. Um, Give me two seconds here. Of course, I can't type, so I'm doing it on my phone. Let's see if I can find it. Yes, okay, here we go. First four years of a career, most receptions. A.J. Green, 329. Larry Fitzgerald, 330. Anquan Bolden, 342. Jarvis Juice Landry, 400. Michael Thomas, 407. And he still has seven games left in his fourth year. (laughs) And that tweet was by Heath Cummings. Um, So I'll give him his credit. He's a fantasy analyst for CBS Sports. Heath Cummings, S. He's coming senior. That's what it is. So there you go. That's a good stat. I think that we could possibly be staying away, but there is one one guy I wrote down and I thought, eh, and then I said, no, I'm gonna I can't use him as my stay away because of a certain particular reason. Evans was who I was considering as my stay away, but with Marshawn Lattimore's injury and possibility that he may not play, I didn't think that Evans is necessarily a stay away. Because if, if Lattimore's out, I think he's a playable guy. Um, I'm going back to the same pair I think I stayed away from last week. Diggs slash Adam Thielen. I, I agree. I actually had originally listed DeAndre Hopkins, but then I thought about some more and I said, well, you know what? Well, again, Chris Harris is still there. Yep. Uh, he's going to be covering the outside receiver more than likely, which is going to be Stephon Diggs. Uh, Thielen, I don't think, plays this week with the bye coming up next week. Yep, if he does play, I expect him to be on snap count and limited so he can – limit damage to that hamstring. Uh, and that will just mean that they can more shadow-covered digs. The other backup wide receivers, Ola B.C. Johnson, Laquan Treadwell, didn't prove enough in the last two games to show that either one is capable of stepping up in Thielen's absence. And, and again, Denver's been fairly mediocre against tight ends all season, so the game's probably going to go through the arms of Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph once again this week, assuming Thielen doesn't suit up. So you think your line on Kyle Rudolph is, what, three catches, eight yards, two touchdowns? That's kind of always been his line. Yeah. Okay, so we agreed there on Diggs. We're two for two. At 
the value play, I almost went a little contrarian. I guarantee you didn't write this person down. But then I crossed him off um, because I truly don't know if he plays again this year. And that's A.J. Green. I So if he plays, if I know he's playing this week, get him in your lineups. Truly. I don't care who the quarterback is in Cincinnati. If he's playing, get him in your lineups. But I can't sit here and say do that right now today, right? So I'm going with Hollywood Brown. I'm stacking my value play with my quarterback. We, we matched on all three at the wide receiver position. I'm, I'm going to fit your stack there with Marquise Hollywood Brown. Uh, this I, I feel this is going to be a shootout. And realistically, Marquise Brown is the only legitimate wide receiver on the entire Wavens roster right now. So uh, he's obviously become a favorite of Lamar Jackson. He can go deep. Uh, kind of like Tyree Kill, it's hard to overthrow him. Yep. So... You got to like Brown at that price of fifty six hundred on both sides, particularly on Fanduel at the slightly lower at the same price, I should say, but more value because of obviously the larger dollar amount you have to work with. And I think that is going to be a high scoring game, high scoring game. Oh, speak before we go on. Speaking of high scoring games, uh, the other player I think I considered as a stay away this week is DeAndre Hopkins at Baltimore. Now, again, I feel that's going to be a high scoring game, but. Something to think about here. Baltimore has allowed only three wide receiver scores over their last six games. And only two number one wide receivers have scored against them over the entire season. Plus, it's tending that Will Fuller will be back this week. And we all know that Will Fuller is kind of a personal favorite of yeah. Deshaun Watson. So, uh, again, if, if you're looking for another player to stay away from, again, I was close to picking DeAndre. But I ultimately ended up going with Stefan, and I think that uh, either one of those plays is a bad play this week. And again, he might look like a player to play because it's going to be a high-scoring game and he's the number one receiver, but stay away. Okay. You are the tight end whisperer, and it seems like every time I think we're going to match on a tight end, we don't. I need one to hit the over. I need one. I, I think we might match on one this week. And, and technically, if I don't get one, I might have to go back to Kamara and say I'm five and a half. I'm getting you over. <laughs> um, when I look at the top of this list, there is only one pay, player that I can say I'm playing up, playing up for. I'm paying up for, even though he's not playing tonight. Um, I'm going to go under the assumption that he's going to get back on the field. And if he doesn't, guess what? You don't have to use him. But I'm paying up for George Kittle this week. We have hit the over. There we go. Uh, that's the exact same argument I have here. I mean, it, it sounded like all the way through the weekend there was at least a possible chance that Kittle might play tonight. They, they were kind enough to announce him as doubtful on Saturday, which allowed NFL teams to, or I should say fantasy teams, to kind of make other plans. So basically they did a reverse, cling, reverse, reverse Cliff Kingsbury. They didn't lie to the fantasy crowd. They told him flat out that didn't look like he was going to play this week. Odds are he's probably going to play next week, though. And, again, if he doesn't, again, same thing. Don't play him. Well, but not, if you're going to pay up for someone, he's the only one worth paying up for this week. Uh, Arizona, 10 games, yep. 10 touchdowns allowed to the position, including week nine. George Kittle had six catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown against them. And that's what I was going to say. I don't like anybody else from a pay-up standpoint. So if he doesn't play, find something else, go down low, and just, just punt the position. So here's the other thing. If they lose tonight versus Seattle, because we record on Monday nights, then I think there's more pressure to get him back in the lineup too. Exactly. So, okay, I think we're going to match on our stay away also, although there's plenty of options for that. 
Um, uh, we, we're not going to match on our stay away. We should. Okay, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Actually, I'll tell you my player, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions, or at least one question. I'm staying away from Zach Ertz. Is that the match? That is not going to be a match, okay. and here's why. Okay. Well, uh, no, no, wait Ertz is no, face- no, 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 no. Don't tell me that. I want to ask you a question first. What does Bill Belichick do? He takes away the opposition's best players. And in Philadelphia, what is your best player, or what do you think Carson Wentz's best player is? Well, right now it's Zach Ertz. Right. And I would say, somebody might say, well, Alshon Jeffrey, you have Stephon Gilmore. You can just put him on Jeffrey or whoever they want to outside, and that nullifies that. So now you're left with one other person. I truly think that that's what Belichick does this week, is he focuses on taking Ertz out. I think Goddard could have a better game than Ertz because of that. Uh, yeah, that could end up being the case, but I looked back at the two career games that Ertz has against the Patriots, including that Super Bowl game. Yep. In both those games, Ertz had lots of catches, lots of yards, and he scored in each of those games too. And again, I, I have to think that in those two games, Ertz was also still probably the best player for the Philadelphia Eagles. And for whatever reason, the Patriots just weren't able to handle him. That's possible. Um Bill's got a short memory. I just, I, I really, he's not somebody I'd be happy about playing. Let's put it that way. So that's why he's my stay away. Who are you staying away from? I'm going to stay away from Darren Fells at Baltimore. I had to go down the list a little bit. I, I wasn't going to choose Austin Hooper because I don't think he's going to play. Uh, I thought about, uh, I, I thought about uh, Andrews uh, from Baltimore. But again, I think that Houston is just bad enough against tight ends. He's going to be okay. I thought about Ertz. Until, like I said, I looked up those game stats. And yeah. so I, I, that's like, I mean, Cook's got a good matchup. Doyle's got a good matchup. Olsen's got a good matchup. The first player I hit upon that did not have a good matchup is Darren Fells. Okay. So I, I kind of went with him in that spot. Uh, only two teams have topped 40 receiving yards with their tight ends against Baltimore. Only two teams have scored against Baltimore with tight ends. So uh, when you're looking at Fells, you're looking at a guy who might catch four passes for 20 yards and a score or two. That's kind of been his MO all season. And they just don't give up tight end scores. Okay. So at my value play, (coughs) excuse me, at my value play, I wrote three names down. (laughs) And the first one, I didn't even put the price down with him. I just kind of put a question mark. And I think what we've seen so far tonight makes me say, I'm not going to say him. And I I had him crossed out anyway, but Ross Dwelly was one of the considerations. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. Even if Kittle plays, <laughs> it's Arizona. You could make an argument for playing the second tight end, um, but he's not it. Then I looked at Tyler Eifert, who does have a very nice matchup, and he, just, he did just catch a touchdown, but I'm guessing he may have used his touchdown up, so he's not my play. Well, he might be injured by now, too, knowing him. That's true. Um, I actually, and I feel dirty saying this, but I like Jared Cook this week as my value play. Well, his price is a little bit higher, but certainly a good matchup for him. It is. It's a little higher than what I would like to normally go with, but I, I wound up going a little more contrarian with that. You know, I think that he could be the guy. I think, again, I know you like Breeze as your payup. I could see both Thomas and Cook having good games. Uh, I don't know, four, four catches, five catches, 60, 70 yards, and a touchdown. That would make people happy as a value play, right? Yeah, well, the guy I went with this week gets to face a team that just gave up two touchdowns to Kyle Rudolph, who's caught maybe 12 passes all season. Okay. And so I, I'm going with TJ Hawkinson at home versus Dallas. 
can't say I hate uh, that play. Uh, opposing tight ends are averaging six catches and 64 yards per game against Dallas on the season. They've allowed four tight end touchdowns over their last four games. Meanwhile, Hawkinson has 13 targets over the last two weeks. And, and as the second half moved on and when Detroit was behind in the game, Jeff Driscoll started targeting Hawkinson a lot. And I've got a pretty stinking feeling that if Driscoll plays this week, uh, they're going to be playing from behind again against Dallas. So the second half, we could see quite a bit of TJ Hawkinson again. Okay. I don't think that's a bad play at all. But guess what? We didn't match. It doesn't matter. We still hit the over. We hit the over despite a slow start. Yes. I really thought it was out the window. When you don't get one at quarterback, I thought it was out the window. So over my shoulder, before we wrap up, I'm trying to see what happened. It looks like San Francisco scored a touchdown, except that happened to be the um, Seattle Seahawks end zone. I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, It looks like maybe somebody stole a fumble or stole the ball from the receiver and carried it into the end zone, but was he in bounds? Was he out of bounds? I have no idea. Well, it somehow involves DK Metcalf. Yeah. So if you're the receiver and you're in bounds and the defensive player is trying to strip you of the ball and he has your arm and your ball and the ball at the same time and he's standing out of bounds, you're not out of bounds, right? Well, it, yeah, and ultimately when you're near the end zone too, it comes down to the whole – if you're the offensive player and you fumble the ball into the end zone, the stupidest rule in football. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Almost as stupid as the a penalty that is a five-yard penalty, and it's, I don't know, third and four, but you're inside the 20-yard line, so it becomes a half the distance, and you get two yards, and it's not a first down. That's a pretty stupid penalty also. Exactly. Anyway, it looks like Seattle's getting it. It doesn't look like they're counting it as a safety, which I thought they could have since it looked like he carried the ball into the end zone. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, And by the time this is released, people will definitely know. Anyway, anything you want to add in parting before we wrap this bad boy up? Now, once again, thank you to all of our veterans out there, and thank you to all the veterans in the NFL who hopefully will lead you to a nice victory this week. Yes, I echo that sentiment quite a bit thank you for the service to our country to all veterans um we appreciate it and we don't say it enough to our, to those guys it should be more than just on this day of the year i try to say it whenever i see somebody and i know they are whether they're serving or a veteran i say thank you for your service um try to be nice try to find something good to do for people it always makes people you know feel better we got enough bad in our lives um just like we make bad decisions starting you know how that makes you feel well try to do something good for people And do something good for yourself by signing up for thehuddle.com. You won't regret it. Do something good. Listen to Harley. Listen to Harley. Look for Harley on Twitter, at Nuclear Harley. Look for me, at Steve Gallo NFL. At a minimum, you can always look at playing our NFL picks like George Costanza. Do the opposite. You'll be a winner. Um, And if that doesn't work for you, tune into this and get a laugh out of this, I guess. I don't know. Um, But as always, do this for me. Get Blitz responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.